Hey there, welcome to Walking Alongside Perspectives, a combination of short monopods as well as some conversations with cool folks covering various topics based on what is going on in the world, focusing on the broader theme of perspectives. As Friedrich Nietzsche said, there are no facts, only interpretations. So let's get into it with this episode. Thanks for being here. Interesting fact number one. Lawns here in Canada are the result of the colonial penchant for having manicured front lawns, which, back across the pond in the olden days, were a sign of wealth. They also now create a ton of organic waste, which, if you don't choose to go bagless, ends up in the landfill, though now hopefully in people's green bins, which will still release carbon back into the atmosphere. And if you're a stickler for a green lawn, they are veritable water hogs, not to mention herbicides and fertilizers that are used to keep them healthy looking and weed free. Interesting fact number two. Dandelions are a now invasive species originally introduced by, you guessed it, colonial settlers because they used it for teas and such. They are now the nemesis of almost everyone who wants a nice lawn. However, they also provide sources of nectar for buzzing creatures and other pollinators, but if you want to eradicate them, short of digging up your whole lawn to get at the root system, more on that in a moment, herbicides are pretty much your only course of action which will impact the aforementioned pollinators as well as by default any birds who may have been munching on the bugs, the circle of life. Sadly, between the city who waffles between spraying against them or not and people with yards that are predominantly dandelions, it is almost impossible to have a weed-free yard. And there are people who either don't care or don't notice, who just don't know how to deal with them or who have simply given up. There was a moment where I thought maybe I could be in that last category. Maybe I could just accept that the green in my lawn would be dandelion leaves. After all, they are capturing carbon as they grow. They are protecting against soil erosion. The flowers are pretty and pollinators do rely on them. But then I look at the fluffy white seeds followed by those ugly brown stalks and I just can't go there. Ever since I moved into my own house, I have wanted the yard to be nice. Call it some sort of genetic reflex. My first house in Forest Heights had a giant yard and at the time a giant vegetable garden and because I moved in in August, the vegetables that had been planted by the previous owners were mine for the picking. Giant tomatoes, heirloom it turns out, peas and beans and potatoes, it was great. And I was hooked. My neighbor at the time was an avid gardener, so we had lots to talk about and I learned so much from her. For several summers I had somebody come in to rototill the garden and then I would do my best to plant and learn and harvest and try to pick the raspberries at the very back to keep the wasps from having a heyday come the fall. And it was pretty successful and certainly fulfilling. But the grass, no matter what I did, I couldn't get it to look green and lush and full. The dandelions fortunately weren't really a problem because the neighbors on both sides of me took care of their yards and so the blow-in of dandelion seeds was kept to a minimum. But then my lovely garden-loving neighbor moved and the succession of renters that succeeded her did exactly nothing. And soon her beautiful garden went to seed and then invariably to weed. It was about at that time that I realized I couldn't keep up with the garden and work full-time and work on my masters so I started bit by bit to decrease the size of the garden. The raspberry patch got smaller and smaller and the vegetable garden became border gardens with perennials and shrubs. Eventually, when I married my husband, the very back of the garden became his garage and the middle of the yard, where I had at one point built a fire pit, became a raised vegetable garden where Daphne and I would plant smaller, more manageable amounts of peas and beans and carrots. Those tomatoes that had been along the side of the house weren't heirloom anymore, but they stayed along that sunny south wall. However, it was the front yard where I had most of my major battles with that grass. It seemed that no matter what I did, I couldn't get the full stuff to grow. 
It might have been that deadish pine tree that took up much of the front yard, which eventually I got rid of after having wasted countless gallons of water via the root soaker and much evergreen fertilizer in an attempt, in vain as it turned out, to revive it. But that acidification of the soil had taken its toll and despite multiple years of top dressing and dethatching and aerating and overseeding and so much watering, I gave up. One fateful afternoon, I rented a sod cutter and with the help of my then boyfriend, now husband and future father-in-law, I ripped out all the grass and entered the marvelous world of xeriscaping. By the time we were done, there was mulch and a decorative border of rocks that we had painstakingly collected one vehicle full at a time and ground cover and shrubs and daylilies and barrels that we would fill annually with tunias and other flowers for a beautiful, colorful splash. The weeds were kept to a minimum and things were okay except for the boulevard. Again, no matter what I did, I couldn't get that grass to grow. And digging up the dandelions just ripped out more and more of the turf that was left, so we just gave up. And then we moved to our house in Argyle where we had to start from scratch. It was a foreclosure and it looked it. Half excavated basement, piles of gravel and road crush and weeds, so many weeds, and a giant pine tree in the front yard. We knew that area would be xeriscaped again, but Chris also wanted a nice lawn, AKA grass, so the other half of the yard was destined to become lawn. We started landscaping in earnest. We spent a lot of time digging up weeds, mostly dandelions, and were amazed at the intensive and aggressive root system they had, which of course explains why they are so hard to get rid of. People are probably pretty familiar with that mycelium that the fairy rings in our lawns create or have or require for growth, but I would argue that the dandelion root network would give those a run for their money. So with much weed digging, tree planting, planning, and prepping, we got the yard ready for grass. And we laid it, and it looked good, the first year. The boulevard though, because of years of neglect, seemed unlikely to be able to recover. And despite top dressing and overseeding and watering, it just wasn't responding. The grass in the front yard, likely somewhat related to that gorgeous pine tree, as well as the ones in our neighbor's yard, continues to struggle. So every spring we watch all the yards, save the one to the right of us, green up and get nice and lush, while we watch our front yard get sadder and sadder. Of course, the dandelions in our neighbor's yard and those in the green space across the street from our house don't help. Healthy grass is resistant to weeds. Ours is sad and so susceptible. And so I decided we needed to try something different. We started with the boulevard. Instead of fighting to grow grass there, we built three planter boxes and are filling those with native species of flowering perennials and grasses to attract those pollinators and add some color. And we seeded with clover. And it's coming in rather nicely. We do need to do another seeding and I'll also be actually secretly prepping some areas of the lawn to seed clover there too, because I'm tired of fighting to try to sustain that stupid Kentucky bluegrass, which seemingly is the only grass seed a person can buy but it's not supposed to grow here. It's not suited to Alberta's climate. So why is it the one that is in all sod and all bags of grass seed? It is a total water hog, cause you know, Kentucky. And so I can simply no longer be complicit in pouring hundreds of gallons of drinking water onto my grass. Clover, on the other hand, is low growing, attracts pollinators and is much more drought resistant. And so hopefully every year we will see more green in the boulevard and eventually the lawn, and it won't be grass or dandelions. At the end of the day, the question is really, how long does one want to wage war on weeds? Whether that's dandelions or thistles or that weird sticky climbing chickweed stuff, whatever that is, or any of the other countless actually beautiful flowers that I see when I'm walking. At work where I walk, the clover, which I think is the same kind as what we've planted, is in flower and it actually smells really good. 
there are also little yellow buffalo beans. I don't know that that's actually what they're called, but that's what we called them as kids when we lived in Stavely. And there's these pretty, I'm assuming native daisies, or at least they look like daisies, and then the purplish little tiny daisies that I recently learned are actually fleabane, which is a really horrible name for something so pretty. And then there's the taller purple clover, which comes in lighter shades and even yellow, I think. So I don't know which ones are weeds and which ones aren't, so doesn't it really come down to the eye of the beholder? Despite my short flirtation with letting those little yellow-headed devils have their way with my lawn, I don't think that I fully embrace the dandelion. I just can't go there. Just can't, can't go there. But these other mystery flowers? Well, I would be prepared to let them gain a foothold if it choked out all those dandelions. But would it be a matter of out of the frying pan into the fire? I should probably consult my sister-in-law who, despite living in Germany, is much better versed on the prairie flora. She would probably be able to put me straight and then I could sleep at night knowing that I will still have a nice yard, but that it won't be coming at the cost of water and fertilizer and herbicides and all those crawling and flying critters could safely get their fill. A work in progress to be sure, but then again, aren't we all? Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for a topic or even better, a perspective to share, I would love to hear them and share them, ideally in a conversation with you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and throw a comment my way or share with friends. For better or for worse, we're all in this together. We have exactly one world to share, so let's make it the best one it can be. Until next time, take good care. Ciao for now.